forever. Dog! I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a brain down. I myself am on the brain. I used to want to be a real man. I don't know what that even means. Now I just want you in my arms again. And we can search each other's dreams. What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this here podcast called Three Swings. It's a podcast about baseball and other things. And today... It's mostly other things. We've got uh, a sweet, sweet supplemental pinch runner episode um, because I wanted to add to the last episode um, that really got into the anti-trans legislation. Um, and because it was just me talking about it and I am by no means an expert on what's going on, uh, just simply a trans person, um, I invited a uh, the uh, ACLU lawyer, civil rights lawyer, and just all around great human Chase Strangio to the show to talk to us about what is actually going on, what we can do, um, how this legislation is running through uh, the world, right? Our world, American world right now. Um, and so he was able to take some time out of his packed schedule of uh, like fighting this fight for us. Um, and they were able to come on the show for a little while. So please um, take a listen to this wonderful interview conversation uh, with friend of the show, Chase Strangio, right here. Oh, my God, Chase Strangio. Thank you so much for being on. It's so good to meet you. I feel like <laughs> I've seen seen you so much. But now we're actually talking to each other. We're here. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's um, so great. I, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for uh, you making time to to come here and, and speak with me and, and talk to the show. I appreciate it so much. I know how busy you are, how hard you're working. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, thank you for creating the space and for all you do. And I apologize for all the sirens in the background because New York City <laughs> is so loud. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I can't even hear them, but, you know. <laughs> all right. Cool, I'm sorry cool. you have to deal with it. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for this space. And I'm just, you know, excited for, for the chance to keep talking about the stuff that's impacting our people. Yeah, dude. I um, So I talked about the like and and this is this is the wild thing too is like probably by the time people are listening to this even the conversation that we're having right now is then going to change like that's how fast this stuff is moving that's how how big the assault is uh in in like the law space right now against trans kids and trans people um because i feel like even in that amount of time which i think my the episode that i talked a little more specifically about the sports stuff, just because this happens to be a sports podcast, but healthcare uh, touched on that too. It's already like gone to governors and already passed and already, you know, it's like, and that's a matter of days. And obviously this stuff has been in the works for a lot longer than days, but it's, uh, and I've seen you say, it's like, we're at a critical point where it's gaining all this steam and momentum because so much is happening. Um, and so like, what, like, where are you at? Because you are at like the, you are in this, in the center with this and the eye of the storm of everything that's going on. And like, what would you want to share with people who are listening? Yeah. As, like, I mean, the most important thing they can do right now. Kind of, it, I don't know. 
It's so hard because like I, I've been doing this work for a long time and mm-hmm. specifically I've been focused on, I mean, a lot of aspects of trans legal advocacy, but you know, one a- big part of my work over the last you know seven years has been lobbying against anti-trans bills and state legislatures and then suing over the bills that pass. And I have to say, you know, I've just never seen anything or even imagined anything like this. And I am yeah. like an incredibly cynical, pessimistic person. <laughs> so that's sure. not a good sign, you know? And I yeah, think, absolutely. you know, I think I, I, you know, just to, to sort of begin to situate this moment, it, it, it's, it's sort of imperative to say that we are at this crisis point that is, you know, sort of in many ways, you know, even knowing all we know about the ways in which trans people are, assault, you know, under assault in state legislatures by the government in a multitude of ways. This is really beyond anything we could have, or maybe we should have imagined, but really we did, or at least I sort of was was anticipating and I knew it was going to be a bad session. I knew that for, for many reasons, we were going to face the proliferation of, of anti-trans bills. I think the key reasons are, you know, there was a pivot from restrooms to, to sports and healthcare that was very strategic by our opponents, yes. incredibly well-funded, part of a global movement to attack trans kids. Um, and, when, and when was that exactly like in terms of years, if you could pinpoint? Yeah, I think that, so So here's how I, here's how I really situate this moment in a historical context, in a modern historical context. Because, yes. you know, we could trace it a hundred years. You could, you could secure sure, a right. lot of starting points, but you I think- You can pull the thread very, yeah. very, 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 very far. Yes, exactly. Like we, we, you know, we could have a whole series on just this question of sort of the history of how we got to this point in sort of the regulation of bodies and the fixation on trans bodies in particular. But in the modern like U.S. legal context, I think, you know, it really, you know, the most relevant marker is 2015, where you have the Supreme Court striking down bans on marriage equality. So you had leading up to that sort of decades of opposition to LGBTQ people really focused on marriage. And and that was sort of the big, you know, funded contested site. And then, you know, the court strikes down the the bans and the LGBTQ mainstream movement has not invested in trans people or Mm -hmm. trans work largely, but our opponents are very agile and immediately focus on attacking trans people. So by, you know, the Supreme Court decides Obergefell in in June of 2015, by November, they have solidified their messaging. There is a ballot fight in Houston, Texas over a, you know, incredibly comprehensive non-discrimination ordinance called the, the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance. And it would protect, you know, so many classes of people based on veteran status, disability, Mm -hmm. race. And then all of the opposition is men in women's bathrooms. And that's where you start to hear that, that, you know, sort of refrain. And we heard it before, um, but it really becomes sort of crystallized in that moment. And they see it as an opening um, because they win. They, they, we are annihilated in that ballot fight Mm -hmm. in Houston. Um, And we, and, and we being sort of the mainstream LGBT movement does a terrible job. We don't foreground trans people. We don't combat their messaging. We, we basically just ignore trans people and ignore the assault on, on sort of trans bodies that's happening, which then leads us to January of 2016, where you have sort of state legislatures being inundated with anti-trans bathroom bills. And Mm -hmm. and that is where, you know, you have HB2 passed in North Carolina. There's a bill in South Dakota that ends up getting vetoed by the governor. But it is this massive conversation that is taking place in the final year of the Obama presidency, where his administration is also doing a lot of, you know, sort of generally speaking, proactively good things for trans people. And then there's this backlash in the states. But what happens then is, you know, we sort of get our 
shit together in the movement and, and are quite effective at stopping that momentum of the bathroom conversation. And mm-hmm. between, you know, 2016 and 2018, the, you know, there are no bills passed um, to that, you know, uh, barring trans people from the restroom. They lose every ballot fight that they try, um, culminating in a massive loss in Massachusetts, trying to take away protections for trans people in, in um, November of 2018. Uh, and they're losing in court um, in all of these cases involving trans people in restrooms. And, and so while we're sort of figuring out the restroom piece, they've already moved on. Um, you know, they're like, it's almost like they're using that as like a distraction, their own distraction technique. And, and they being, um, just to remind everybody, these are not, you know, people, these are not, I mean, they're people, but this is not like, you know, a group of, you know, concerned moms or something like that in Massachusetts. These are like fully funded sometimes, uh, you know, like actually, uh, like labeled hate groups by like Southern Poverty Law Center. Like these, these, these are hugely funded, like corporate uh, entities that are putting these, these bills ahead. These are not just like, you know, small groups of concerned people or anything. Not that that would be like any better, but it's just like the divide of, of the reality of this is like, this is not like civilian people trying no, to do this. Exactly. Like, voters are like, you know, this is, we're trying to be part of the process. It's like, no, this is so far removed from any on the ground actuality of anything that's actually happening, which is why they're so effective because it's literally all that they do. They yes. don't do anything else. It's, that's it, the problem is like, well, that's not the only problem. There's yeah. many problems, but like uh, the community of like, you know, to, for lack of a better word, like in the LGBTQ community, there are many things that we do for each other you know it's like a multifaceted mutual aid thing and also not everybody's involved but these think tanks that's all they do that's all they do all day (laughs) and it's really you know i think there's a lack of nuance in being exclusionary or discriminatory and Mm -hmm. and so you know you can and they have an incredibly well oiled machine of right-wing media. And so what happens is, you know, in around 2018, they start to sort of test the messaging and the ideas about sports and, and healthcare and two sort of main things are going on that are sort of the centerpiece of their, of their hate work in this moment. One is, you know, these two trans runners in Connecticut, Terry Miller, Andrea Yearwood, you know, two young black women who are trans, who are competing, are, are having some success. They they win some meets. And this is like right. unacceptable to the like Westport cis white ladies of Connecticut who are just like these trans monsters, um, you know, sure. and start and, and start creating this narrative of transness as threat, which has always been the centerpiece right. of the narrative, like the trans body is the threat and particularly the the body of the trans of a of trans women and girls particularly the bodies of black trans women and girls and this you know so Terry and Andrea become the site of this hideous attack on trans kids and it then sort of takes off and Fox News and Daily Caller and Breitbart and the Federalist and there's you know they are covering this like it is the greatest threat uh, you know to ever yeah, the United yeah. States so that's going on and there's also this high profile custody dispute in Texas involving a 
a very young trans person who, by the way, is receiving, you know, no medical interventions in which right. a, a full, you know, a, a mom with full custody um, is affirming of their, of her trans daughter, um, who is, I think, around six years old. And it's really just over their name and clothes. And a non-custodial father objects, creates a whole website and a firestorm um, around this notion of, you know, trans kids being pushed into transness. You have Senator Cruz weighing and you have Governor Abbott, you have Ken Pax and you have, you know, everyone. And, and so again, it's like these little stories of people just trying to exist then are churned into this incredibly well-funded strategic right-wing media and political operation to create the sense of urgency and threat ultimately culminating in 2019 in this, you know, meeting, as far as we understand, between ALEC with the conservative legislative group that basically just drafts legislation to be pushed out to conservative lawmakers, um, model legislation, Alliance Defending Freedom, which is the anti-LGBT group that, you know, right. is, you know, spends all, you know, has hundreds and hundreds of lawyers, has hundreds of millions of dollars across the United States attacking LGBT people and and quite fixated on trans people, Heritage Foundation, and then other groups that are that are sort of very much focused on attacking trans people, convene and draft these two model bills, one around criminalizing healthcare for trans youth, the other around banning trans kids from sports. And and then we start to see them introduced in 2020. And of course, in 2020, you know, you start, they start to emerge and then COVID hits in March. um, And you know, Idaho is able to pass two of their anti-trans laws. A lot of other states that have, you know, sessions that are running later end up adjourning session early or moving to remote and not knowing what's going on. So we don't see as many of the bills passing and moving in 2020, despite the fact that that's really when they start to be sort of farmed out to lawmakers. Um, But that means, what that means is you start January, 2021 with the momentum from 2020, you know, behind these bills, the backlash of Biden's election, the backlash of the Supreme Court's decision in Bostock, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. clarifying protections for LGBTQ people. Um, And then, you know, the reality of the fact that even though we were very focused on 2020 on the congressional and presidential elections, that we failed to defend the down, you know, ballot races. And so lots of states got more conservative. You have governorships that flipped. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there was a climate that was ripe and ready to attack trans people when 2021 started. And now, you know, what we've seen is, you know, at least, you know, I think since January 4th, when some states came into session, every single day has just been a momentum of assault on trans kids, you know, in terms of the bills themselves, in terms of the conversation, in terms of the hearings, and uh, in terms of the messaging and the public discourse, to the point where we're now having like wholesale debates on social media and elsewhere about like whether transness is an ideology that can be debated. Um <laughs> Right. Things have really deteriorated and 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 it's you know, there have been over 100 bills introduced in over 25 states. Um, We have many of them moving. Many of them could become law. Yeah. You've pointed out. I've seen you point out that many of these are taking precedent in those places over covid relief bills. So like these lawmakers are more concerned with getting these things passed than they are with providing relief for their constituents. You know, like this is, it is a, it is a twisted insanity. You know, when, when you really zoom out and look at it and go like, is this really more important? You know, like why, how, how could this become more important? But it is, 
And I, this is the ideology, yeah. you know, that's the thing is like, whatever they're pointing at and saying it's an ideology is pointing right back at them. Like the, the, what they are doing is trying to erase people, which is an ideology, you know, like an existence cannot be an ideology. Yeah. Um, but and it's, it's killing people. Kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That absolutely is like a reason yeah. to kill people. Yes. A hundred percent. And so how many states there's 70 bills right now. How many states is that? I mean, I, you know, it's, it, 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 I will say like you, like you said at the top that that is changing so fast. Like I went for a walk yeah. with my kid. I was like tweeting about this. Right. Like I took my kid for a walk and we were gone and I was like still on my phone, like managing things for that hour. And when I came back, it was like one bill had become law and like three more committee hearings had been scheduled and, you know, and, and, and bills yeah. that we thought had died had come back to life. And so it's really hard to measure the numbers because it's changing really, really quickly. And even in places where bills have died, they're being added to budget provisions. I mean, this this right. happened in Congress. Like Congress, they had an anti-trans provision in their COVID relief package to bar trans kids from sports. Um, and, and it is, I mean, coming back to something else that you said, there's something so perverse about all of this. Like Alabama's first filed bill, HB1, is a felony mm. ban on healthcare that would send doctors mm. to prison. For providing the parents, right? And parents potentially, um, definitely doctors, potentially parents, potentially the kids themselves, for providing care that is, you know, within the standards of care at a time when we need doctors very badly. Absolutely. You know, and so I it's like this notion that we are criminalizing healthcare in a pandemic and Mm -hmm. barring trans kids from sports in schools when we can't even get our kids into schools is just so dystopian and depressing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a real reflection of sort of what is going on in this moment, which is that lawmakers, particularly in Republican-led state legislatures, are essentially using the sort of fake threats of things like voter fraud, which is not real, and trans kids in sports, which is not a threat, and and using these things to like leverage uh, these sweeping bills that are all about consolidating their political power um, mm-hmm. and undermining other sort of legislative efforts that would be more redistributive, that would be more mm-hmm. equitable. Um, and and that's, you know, and that's what we're seeing in state after state. And when it comes to these anti-trans bills right now, I mean, I would say probably 12 states are still very much in play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as of, you know, the time, this moment of us speaking, you have um, two, you know, two sports bills that have been signed into law in Arkansas and Mississippi. Um, you have sort of two more that are almost in in law. One, Tennessee has passed through their legislature and it's just a matter of, I mean, governor, you know, Governor Lee may sign it while we're on this, you know, call. Right, right, um, right. So yeah. there's that. And then South Dakota is in the midst of their own sort of constitutional crisis between their state legislature and their governor battling it out to see who hates trans people the most, but that, you know, their anti-trans sports bill is very close to some version of it to passing on, you know, in the next few days. Um, and then, you know, coming up behind those four bills, um, I would say, you know, we have North Dakota, that's one vote away from passing their anti-trans sports bill. Um, Alabama is also very close to passing an anti-trans sports bill. And, and, and then, you know, there are these healthcare bills that are looming and, and, and these ones are just terrifying. Um, Uh I mean, the sports ones are too, they, they do a lot of terrible things. They encode in law, you know, sort of explicit discrimination against trans people. Uh, they, 
um, you know, send the message to trans kids that they aren't welcome. And, and, and perhaps like most broadly and most concerningly is they like implement these regimes of sex testing that are ultimately going to hurt all young people. Which is incredibly terrifying, yeah. uh, especially given that like a lot of the language for these um, is like uh, their their language, not mine, is like that this is to protect girls, you know, um, and then you're you're implementing like uh, like genital checks for children. You know, like this is a we, we've already seen like sweeping sexual assault in women's sports by doctors. So like this is not something that seems to me like a great uh, path to go down to like be checking children's bodies before they, because to me, it's like, yes, it starts with sports. And where does it, where does that end then? Like walking in the door of a school, probably, you know, like that's the next thing is like removal from like public life. Yeah. And also, so yeah, I mean, just the amount of privacy intrusion the state is ostensibly willing to permit and particularly the party of small government and libertarian values all of a sudden. sounds incredibly big. Yeah. It's a big government. It's taking genetic information and creating a registry or having doctors search people's genitals. This is not, you know, this should scare all of us. You know, anyone who cares about bodily autonomy, anyone who's a parent and cares about the well-being of their children. I mean, there's lots to be concerned about in these bills are terrifying. They are all often poorly drafted, have very unclear enforcement mechanisms. I think it remains to be seen sort of what they plan to do with this once they sort of now have them in law. And so there's there's that piece of it. Um, yeah. But these, these looming healthcare bills, I mean, I sort of, I'm shocked that they're not causing national outrage and that we're not sort of having five alarm, you know, like screaming conversations <laughs> about what is about to take place because- these bills are going are going to kill people. It's 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 yes. like so incredibly clear because here's what they do. Um, you know, you have like take Alabama's for example, which uh, HB one SB ten. Uh, it makes healthcare for for trans people a felony. It has an emergency effective date. So let's say the governor signs it on you know April first. By May first, it's law. And that means that every young person who is receiving care in Alabama is going to have their care cut off. Um, And so that means that let's say you're a 12 year old trans girl and you were in crisis, um, but you're lucky enough to have parents that support you and have access to medical providers. Um, This care is only provided where you have parental consent and medical need from the child, the child's consent and the medical recommendation of, uh, uh, of the medical professional. So it's already very difficult to get. It's only being provided in situations where it is necessary. So let's say you're the 12-year-old trans girl. You are extremely distressed. Then there is this life-saving care that pauses your puberty. Like you're living as yourself, as your girl, and you're about to go through your endogenous puberty. You're about to have an influx of testosterone. You're about to grow facial hair. You're about to grow bigger in stature. Things that can largely not be undone. And you get this treatment and it is a lifeline. Like I, you know, I, I can't, I mean, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have this when I was a kid. I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. I was like, oh shit, I could have been taller. And, you know, so like, and, and our, our you know, it's, it, it is truly, and it's also like, it's care, first of all, that every major medical association supports. So you have yeah. the AAP, American Academy of Pediatrics, American Medical Association, Endocrine Society, all supporting this care. It being provided in a highly regulated way, very conservatively, mind you, and 
This like, is not Viagra. This yes. is not like we are not having children walking into a store just buying Viagra like anybody else can do. You know, like you can do that very easily. But like this is highly I am 38 years old. I still had to get a letter from a medical professional professional for me to get the care that I needed. I'm 38 years old. Like this is not it's, it's so not hard to get this easy. care. Like just to And yeah, I live in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like and I'm not complaining. I'm just saying like, this is like, this is what it looks like. And they're still like, no, 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 we it's, don't want it, it at we all. We don't want it at all. And, 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 and we don't. And, and so, so what people have to understand is what then they're saying is we don't want you to be trans. And when yes. you are trans, that just means we don't want you to live. And that right. I think is what is so troubling about the fact that people aren't up in arms about this in mass is that we are having lawmakers saying we want to kill off a population of people because we believe that your existence is an existential threat when mm -hmm. all people are trying to do is be 12 or live, yes. you know? And <laughs> yes. it's like, yeah. you know, it's taking away care that it's keeping people alive. And then when we try to advocate for it as such, they say we're being hyperbolic and exploiting the potential for a suicide among our people. When it is simply a fact documented by medical studies, which is why the care is provided in the first place. And now we have states coming in uh, that are go going to abruptly cut people off from the care and it is ongoing treatment, you know, and I think mm -hmm. they're definitely using the anti-abortion playbook. There is, a, you know, so many parallels. It is exactly the same yeah. language that they've just been able to apply to. And that's anybody that's listening. That's like, I don't know how I should feel about this. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> but I can't imagine that anybody that's listening to my podcast doesn't already like stand with this, but, uh, and you are pro-abortion. Um, it's not the same thing, but it's legit. It's the same thing. Like they've taken the same language and just applied it to other medical care. Like it is all medical care. And because I, I feel like people, people really, really play this stuff out in their heads. And it's very telling like how, how little interaction with actual trans people, people have, you know, like mm -hmm. it's not, not necessarily the transphobes that are pushing this stuff. That's obviously clear. Yes. Um, but I mean, people who are sort of in the middle and unsure what they can and can't do, can and can't say those kinds of things. It's like, um, the care it, it is, it is medical care. You know, it is not like something that you can wait. Like, the, like you were saying about the puberty blockers, like what a miracle, mm -hmm. <laughs> honestly, like, I can't say like if I would have me, the person would have said yes to doing, I have no idea because I, but if I had a time machine and I could go back in time and me could talk to like little five-year-old Rhea and said, you can do this. And like, you can decide if you want to stop or not, but this is going to like give you some time, you know, to exist as you, I would absolutely have taken it. You know what I mean? And it is like, it, it seems to me, it, it's just like, I can't explain it other than more of a miracle to like give children the opportunity to just exist as themselves and to make those choices themselves instead of having to listen to like, oh, well, you can do it when you're 18, which is like, yeah. it's not too late, but in some ways it is. It's too late if you have the option, you know what I mean? Like, and taking that option of autonomy and freedom and like authenticity away from somebody is like so essential and so heartbreaking. Um, yeah. This K 
care. They're, they're trying to criminalize care, claiming that it's, you know, perv- you know, putting kids through irreversible treatments while they are forcing kids to undergo irreversible right. aspects of their, of their puberty when the care is just yes. designed to pause things and give people time. Yeah. And, and it is and literally it, the most considerate, like it, it is actually the most like compassionate answer because essentially what you're doing is like, now you have to have surgery. So, yeah. you know, like you're basically forcing a person to have surgery later in their life. Yeah. And it's, and it's not to say that everyone will, or that going through your endogenous well, puberty, course, yes. you know, is, is, is harmful. I mean, going through your endogenous puberty can never be counteracted later. I mean, like I went through my endogenous puberty, but there are for kids who have the hope of not to take that away in the midst of, of it is, is just, it, we do not know how mm-hmm. bad it's going to be because nothing like this has ever ethically right. been considered. And so that's, you know, the only context in which there is some comparable data is in prisons and jails where people are abruptly cut off from care when they get arrested. And what we know from those experiences is that it is absolutely catastrophic. First of all, mm-hmm. if you are on hormones and they, they immediately cut you off, there are sort of a range of physiological consequences to that. Um, and, and that is, you know, in and of itself dangerous, you know, to have your hormones sort of completely dysregulated, but then, you know, there, the emotional and mental health consequences are, are just out, you know, off the charge deadly. Um, so we know that from the context of of prison and jails, that's with adults, with young people who are being provided the care or who are anticipating having the care to then have it taken away and then have their parents threatened with prison time for affirming them the levels of harm. You know, we, you simply cannot overstate it. Um, and, and that ultimately what, what, what lawmakers are going to do is force kids to go through their endogenous puberty, cut them off from the healthcare that is affirming them, Mm It, you know, cause their parents to be at risk, cause them to be at risk. And, you know, one of, one of two things is going to happen. People with means are going to flee the state um, mm-hmm. and that, but no one should have to flee their home in order to survive. No. I mean, that is in and of itself. A you shouldn't have to injustice. leave just to, yeah, absolutely. And you should be able to be yeah, where you are. You should get to be where you are. End of story. Yeah. And then, you know, too, um, that, you know, so that's going to, and then the people who can't afford to leave or can't leave for whatever reason are going to be imperiled with, with yeah. very d- grave consequences, because we know that, you know, th- th- all the studies show that, you know, for example, kids that receive blockers have a sort of 70% reduction in suicidal ideation, pull that away. And, and, and who knows how much that increases, right. because that's just sort of, you know, put, comparing kids on blockers with sort of kids not on blockers. We don't even mm-hmm. understand the the magnitude of harm where you put someone on a treatment and then rip right. it away from them. And then take it away from them the yeah. next day. It's, I mean, it, to me, it's, yeah. it's very obvious what they're trying to stop, which is uh, like a large wave of possibility. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because like numbers have grown, you know, and, and when we talk about numbers, it's like, single digit percentages, but those single digit percentages are gigantic when you think about it and look at it, like we were talking about earlier, like how far back do you want to go? Um, that to me, they want to remove all of this possibility and the, the, the like huge shift in, um, in opening up of everyone, if you're able to get 
this healthcare. And to me, like to go back to the the small government, these are all like supposed small government, like libertarian right wing, like keep the no regulation, you know, hands off my guns, like all that stuff. And you're literally telling people what healthcare they can and cannot have. Like it, it just because they're trans, like it's not. And something else, um, and I want to be super mindful of your time, Chase, because you're working really hard and you have a lot of shit going on. But something that I'm curious, and if you don't want to talk about it, I totally understand, is the sort of division uh, that has then been profited off of by these uh, groups within the LGBT community. There's so many, and they're typically white, um, like gay and lesbian people coming out against this stuff and like on the same side, uh, which I'm not surprised by, like, I'm not going to sit here and act as like, I'm shocked, you know, <laughs> because like the human, the human nature to, uh, you know, pull the ladder up with you or shut the door behind you is clear all across every, you know, every, every, every person. Um, but what, I'm just curious, like your thoughts on that and like, how, what, what do we do about it? <laughs> Like, what do we do? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most demoralizing parts of of this moment is the way in which people who really shouldn't be engaging in this debate are sort of siding with the far right groups that have an interest Mm -hmm. in destroying all queer people, destroying all women. And then you have these cis straight women and these cis LGB people sort of jumping in to defend this set of attacks on trans kids with this concern trolling about, oh, you know, I'm just concerned about maybe (laughs) there are no more lesbians or I am concerned that trans girls are going to dominate in sports or I am concerned about the you know, trans ideology leading to the provision of medical treatment. And I'm like, do you hear yourselves? Um, You know, you are essentially, um, you know, recreating the very debates that were used to harm you, first of all. Um, And two, sort of so transparently aligning yourself with power, you know, in order to hold power over Mm -hmm. others. Um, and, And the last few weeks have been particularly disheartening Um, because yeah, we've seen sort of people with large platforms sort of engaging in these public conversations about the legitimacy of trans existence and claiming that trans people wield some sort of power because of our (laughs) oppression, which is, I'm not a concept I'm quite able to grasp, but I think that what ultimately the consequences of this are is that it's just fueling these these attacks on on trans kids and every cis person who is out there claiming a concern for, you know, the increased number of trans people um, is essentially just saying, I want a world where it's harder for you trans community to live Um, because you only see an increased number of trans people because of an increased amount of our sort of expanded set of options for survival. And if that troubles you, what you're saying is I would like to minimize the options for survival. I would like to not have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, it it is like a lot of the anti-trans leaders um, that are aligning with the far right and with the systems of power that have long tried to police people's bodies when they are, and identities when they are seen as gender non-conforming are, you know, our, our LGB right now, or people who are claiming the mantle of feminism, but the version of feminism that they're, they're that they're 
you know, or the version of, of sort of women's rights or whatever that they claim to be that they're, that they're taking up is, is like Anita Bryant's version is Phyllis Shafley's version. Like that is your legacy. The moral panic that you are bringing into this conversation, you know, aligns you squarely with Anita Bryant. And if that's where you want to be, then fine. But don't claim that you are somehow like concerned about the liberation of anyone when what you're doing is aligning yourself with the systems of power that are very much intending to harm and mm-hmm. and dehumanize people. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's the Elizabeth Cady Stanton effect, like just coming in super late and being like, no, I know what's best yeah. and I'm going to divide everybody up. And uh, it's just, it's stunning to me. And like, I, I can't even really, it's not feminism, you know? No. It's like, yeah. It's uh, I don't know what it, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, paternalism it's, and it's misogyny yeah, it, it and it's, it's trans misogyny. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's the, it's, it's the, it's the full manifestation of white supremacy and patriarchy that has always existed. And that ultimately, you know, sometimes pe- when people are afforded some amount of power, they use that power to exert it over others instead of to lift people up and build, you know, liberatory projects. And I am not surprised that the people, I am not surprised to see the individuals that we're seeing on the sort sure. of the side of the conversation that is against trans survival. I am not, Mm -hmm. but I think that, you know, the audacity to, um, to sort of claim some concern over the disappearance of lesbians or whatever people are claiming is the thing that they're advocating (laughs) against. Um, when really what it is, is, you know, a project of taking away survival opportunities for a group of kids that quite plainly exist. And you cannot yes. debate that. Um, and, and that if you decide that someone isn't real or that you are going to cast every aspect of their identity in the framework of an ideology to be debated, that is a genocidal project. And if that's where you want to be, then just acknowledge that because it mm-hmm. is. Well, I don't really have much more to add to that. <laughs> like, Chase, you are a lawyer, my friend. You know yes. what I mean? Like that. Wow, what a closing argument. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> I rest. I rest, I rest my, my case. case. Yeah. <laughs> I'm welcome. the comedian. You're the lawyer. There you go. There's Perfect. Your tagline. We love um, to see it. Yeah, and I don't. Uh, so, what are you doing these days to take care of little Chase? You know what I mean? Oh. Like, what can we do to take care of little Chase? Because I know you're working your ass off for all of us. And like, what can we do for you? You know, oh, you know, I mean, I think that I am, you know, I, this is a really hard time. And I, I, I think in general, I just want more people engaged. You know, I don't, I want to, it, it, what breaks my heart the most is when I see us sort of losing these fights and part of why it feels like we're losing is because people aren't watching and people aren't listening. And, yeah. and that that's what really you know, kills me on some level. Um, and you know, I, I think in general, like all of us, it's trying to figure out how to like manage this moment of disconnect and confusion and a year plus of COVID and all of the things that we're managing and holding and the grief and the loss. And, um, but for me, you know, it's, it's starting to be spring and my kid is maybe going to go back to school at some point. And, <laughs> yes. um, and, you know, I have like so many blessings of, of love, uh, and support in my life. Um, yeah. so working on improve, people are very concerned about my tweets that I only eat McDonald's. So I'm working on improving the diet, uh, sure. adding, integrating some vegetables. Um, 
But, but yeah, I think in general, it's just like the ongoing project of learning how to, you know, yeah, care for oneself and, um, and also just know that we're in, in some ways, the fight of our lives. And, and that, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, you know, I feel very much called to continue to to do it. And I'm just always happy for, for the, for the comrades in the fight. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, I see you, we see you. I I can speak for many of the people that listen to this podcast. We know how hard you're working and we support you and we'll keep, keep doing what we can. Um, I also want to mention that you have, you've been doing like an Instagram live. Is that every Friday that you do it? I I just do it randomly. I've just Just been doing lives. Like whenever I, whenever (laughs) I'm like, we have something to say, like, so I've been doing live when I can and, and, um, trying to do more of that. Like tomorrow, I think I'm going to go. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to do, um, another one with, with my friend who's a child psychiatrist, um, to talk about debunking some of the, um, the rhetoric around these medical bands and, and yeah, so, so all sorts of just efforts to get more information out there. Um, totally. what, you know, it's like, I'm just like that chaotic person. That's like, I will throw it all against the wall and we'll just see what <laughs> <Yeah>. sticks. <laughs> I mean, you might as well, like, it's yeah. like, there's just so many, so much opportunity, you know, got to do it. But, um, so yeah, so people should check out those Instagram lives, follow you, follow you on Instagram, follow you on Twitter. Um, cause you are really the source. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if there's any, is there any last, I know you already gave your stunning closing (laughs) arguments but is there any like last thing that you want people to uh carry with them today or carry out into the world or anything just that we all like can make a real difference here i think people Mm -hmm. are feeling like disempowered by just how many bad things have happened over the last five years and how much it feels like there is going on right now but even just like doing a concrete thing, like calling one governor and telling them to veto Mm -hmm. a bill or sharing something on social media or building awareness or educating yourself. I mean, that is ultimately what's going to be transformative. And, um, and so, so do those things and donate to translate organizations. If you have the resources or or help be a creative partner in this, if, you know, I think there's so many, there's so many roles to play. You know, you don't have to be a lawyer. You don't have to be working at a nonprofit. (laughs) You don't have to be living in Alabama. You, there, there is, there is something for all of us to, to sort of build and and challenge these systems. And so, um, just, you know, I, you know, always looking for new partners in the work and grateful for everyone's, um, you know, thoughtfulness and creativity and, and insight. Yeah. Yeah. Creativity. That is, I think, you know, the word not for the day, for the whole thing. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. what it is ultimately about. It's, uh, I mean, it takes, it takes a lot of time to create something and it only takes moments to destroy it. So which, 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 you know, which journey do you want to be on creation or destruction? Yeah. I choose, I wake up every day and choose creation, (laughs) not violence, (laughs) but I try not to, you know? Um, But Chase, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking out the time to be on this podcast and uh, sharing this with us. We appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you and everyone yeah, for dude. doing doing the work. All right. All the love and strength to you, my friend. Thank you. Yes, back at you. Also, <laughs> yeah, talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, I am so grateful to Chase for the work that he does uh, and his team and anybody that's working with them. I really, I, I cannot... I mean, it is unfathomable what's happening right now, but it is happening. And I think that um, if there is anything you can do, do it. Uh, I know that it feels like Chase was saying, it feels like a lot is happening and it is an assaultive type thing. Um, So if you can donate, donate. But I think that um, 
there's more to it than that because I feel I have also donated money and it's like there's just even as people ourselves, we need to do more than just send a check and then go on with our day. So there's a lot to be done. And I think that it's, it's, as we said, it can be creative. This is not an assignment. It's whether you want to do it or not. Um, and it starts with love, uh, loving yourself and loving, loving other people. So thank you again for supporting the show. Um, if you live in any of the States where these bills are being passed, please call your reps, call your governors, uh, and do what you can. And we appreciate you. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.